Welcome to a new episode of the Sabbath School Bible Study Podcast. I strongly recommend you to pause this audio right now so that you can have your moment with the Lord. Pray to Him and spend time with Him. Let your relationship with Him grow because He wants to be with you. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Also remember to ask Him for His guidance as you study His Word. And I'll be right back. Memory text. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 Monday land deal The promise that a land would be given to God's people Israel was first given to Abraham and then repeated to Isaac and Jacob Joseph's deathbed words repeated this promise God informed Abraham however that 400 years would pass before the seed of Abraham would take possession of the land. Fulfillment of the promise began in the days of Moses and Joshua. Moses repeated the divine command, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 and 15. What is implied in these words? In short, the land would be given to them as part of the covenant. A covenant implies obligations. What obligations did Israel have? The first part of Deuteronomy chapter 28 outlines the blessings Israel would receive if they followed God's will. The other section of the chapter deals with the curses that would befall them if they did not. These curses were largely, though not wholly, brought about by simply giving sin scope to work out its own evil results. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Like water, which, left to itself, will not cease running till it has found its level, like a clock, which, left to itself, will not cease going till it has run itself completely down, like a tree which, left to grow, cannot but bring forth its appropriate fruit. So sin has a level to seek, a course to run, a fruit to mature, and the end of those things is death. The Pulpit Commentary, Deuteronomy Volume 3 Page 439. Despite all the promises of land, those promises were not unconditional. They came as part of a covenant. Israel had to fulfill her end of the bargain. 
If not, the promises could be nullified. The Lord made it very clear, more than once, that if they disobeyed, the land would be taken from them. Read Leviticus chapter 26, verses 27 through 33. It's hard to imagine how the Lord could have been more explicit with his words. As Christians, we look forward to receiving and keeping the promised lands of heaven and the earth made new. They have been promised to us, just as the earthly promised land was to the Hebrews. The difference, however, is that once we get there, there is no chance of us ever losing it. At the same time, there are conditions for us to get there. How do you understand what these conditions are, especially in the context of salvation by faith alone? Tuesday, Israel and the Covenant Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 8 Look at the above text. The Lord says that he will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, yet he is talking about something bad. Though we tend to think of the covenant as offering us only something good, there's the flip side. The principle was seen with Noah. God offered Noah something wonderful, preservation from destruction, but Noah had to obey in order to receive the blessings of God's grace. If he did not, the other side of the covenant would follow. Compare the above text with Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 regarding the pre-flood world. What's the parallel? What do these verses say about how important it is for us to control our thoughts? Unfortunately, the history of national Israel was for the most part a repeated pattern of apostasy followed by divine judgments, repentance and a period of obedience. Only briefly, under David and Solomon, did they control the full extent of the promised territory. Look at this text from Jeremiah regarding Israel's apostasy. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Surely, as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 1 and 20. This brings up something touched upon earlier. The covenant God wants with us is not merely some cold legal agreement made between business people looking to cut the best deal for themselves. The covenant relationship is a commitment, one as serious and sacred as marriage, which is why the Lord uses the imagery that he does. The point is that Israel's apostasy did not have its root in disobedience, but in a broken personal relationship with the Lord, a break that resulted in disobedience, but finally brought punishment upon them. 
Why is the personal, relational aspect so crucial in the Christian life? Why, if our relationship with God isn't right, are we so prone to fall into sin and disobedience? Also, what would you say to someone who asked this question? How can I develop a deep, loving relationship with God? Wednesday, the Remnant Despite Israel's repeated cycle of apostasy, divine judgments, and repentance, what hope is found in the following texts? Isaiah chapter 4 verse 3 reads, It will come about that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem. Micah chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 read, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant and the outcasts a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. And Zephaniah chapter 3 verses 12 and 13 read, But I will leave among you a humble and lowly people, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. For they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Although God's plan for ancient Israel was spoiled by disobedience, it was never completely frustrated. Among the weeds, a few flowers still grew. Many of the Old Testament prophets speak of this faithful remnant whom God would gather unto himself as a lovely bouquet. The purpose of God in creating and preserving a faithful remnant was the same as it had been for all of Israel, to use them as his divinely appointed instruments for declaring my glory among the nations. By these means, others would join the faithful to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. Thus, no matter how bad the situation became, God always has some faithful people who despite apostasy within the ranks of God's chosen people, kept their own calling and election sure. In short, whatever the failings of the nation as a whole, there were still those who tried to keep the best they could their end of the covenant. See, for instance, 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 14 through 18. And though perhaps they suffered with their nation as a whole, such as exile from the land, the final and ultimate covenant promise will be theirs, that of eternal life. Read John chapter 10 verses 27 and 28. What is Jesus saying there? Apply his words and the promise in them to the situation regarding apostasy in ancient Israel. How do these words help explain the existence of a faithful remnant? A few years ago, a young woman gave up her Christian faith entirely 
mostly because she was discouraged by the sin, apostasy, and hypocrisy she saw in her local church. Those people weren't really Christians, she said, using that as an excuse to give up everything. Basing your answer on the principles of today's study, why is her excuse so lame? Thursday, Spiritual Israel Whatever the mistakes and failing of ancient Israel, the Lord was not finished with the plan of creating a faithful people to serve Him. In fact, the Old Testament looked forward to a time when the Lord would create a spiritual Israel, a faithful body of believers, Jews and Gentiles, who would carry on the work of preaching the gospel to the world. Welcome to the early church. Read Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. 1. What promise is Paul talking about in verse 29? 2. What is the key element that makes a person an heir to these promises? 3. Why is Paul breaking down distinctions of gender, nationality, and social status? 4. What does it mean to be one in Christ? 5. Read Romans chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. How do these verses help us understand what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29? As a son of Abraham, Christ became, in a special sense, heir to the covenant promises. By baptism, we acquire kinship to Christ and through him acquire the right to participate in the promises made to Abraham. Thus, all that God promised to Abraham is found in Christ, and the promises become ours, not because of nationality, race, or gender, but through grace, which God bestows upon us through faith. The gift to Abraham and his seed included not merely the land of Canaan, but the whole earth. So says the apostle, the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 13. And the Bible plainly teaches that the promises made to Abraham are to be fulfilled through Christ. Believers become heirs to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 The earth freed from the curse of sin. Ellen White, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 170 this promise will be fulfilled literally when the saints live on the new earth forever and ever with Christ. Friday, further thought. Read Ellen White, The Vineyard of the Lord, pages 15 through 22. Hope for the Heathen, pages 367 through 378. And The House of Israel pages 703 through 721, 
in prophets and kings. No distinction on account of nationality, race, or caste is recognized by God. He is the maker of all mankind. All men are the one family by creation, and all are one through redemption. Christ came to demolish every wall of partition, to throw open every compartment of the temple courts, that every soul may have free access to God. His love is so broad, so deep, so full, that it penetrates everywhere. It lifts out of Satan's influence those who have been deluded by his deceptions and places them within reach of the throne of God, the throne encircled by the rainbow of promise. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Ellen White, Prophets and Kings, page 369 and 370. Read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 to discover the four titles Peter applies to the church. Most of these titles are reflected in the following Old Testament texts, which refer to Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, and Isaiah chapter 43, verse 20. What does each of these titles emphasize about the church's relationship to God? For example, the title Chosen Nation emphasizes the fact that God chose the church and has a specific destiny for it. Discussion Questions In ancient Israel, the priests made animal sacrifices that pointed to the Messiah. As members of a royal priesthood, what types of sacrifices are church members to make? See? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. God separated Israel from the world so it could be a holy nation. They also were to share salvation truths with the world. The same is true for the church today. How is it possible to be separate from the world while at the same time be in a position to share the gospel with the world? How does Israel's experience and Jesus' example help us to answer this question? God always maintained a remnant with ancient Israel. Consider Elijah and the remnant which existed during his time. 1 Kings chapter 19. Note especially verse 18. Why is it often easier to be true to God in the midst of worldly people then in the midst of backsliding members of one's own church family. Summary God's true Israel, whether before or after the cross, is the Israel of faith, persons who live in a spiritual covenant relationship with him. Such function as his representatives, holding out to the world the gospel of his saving grace. And that is all for today. Please subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for new episodes and special content.